excuse me. I know we've been doing this Gosh. for two years and I still can't clear my throat. <laughs> well, because my junk doesn't come up until we've been talking for a while because I haven't talked right? to anybody else for I haven't um, either. Twenty four <laughs> hours possibly. <laughs> The last time work I talked out, to somebody was when I said hello to the receptionist at my gym yesterday morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is kind of funny how this show is just a long con for us to make friends. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, your podcast about the radio show turned Peabody Daytime award-winning adjacent podcast, Too Beautiful to Live. In Pawtucket, Rhode Island, I'm Bobby Pape, and joining me in Dallas, Texas, Meredith All the Way Mayhan. Good morning, Meredith. Good morning, Bobby. And in New Brighton, Minnesota, it's Anne, my pies are cooling, adjacent to a windowsill, <laughs> hopefully, Lundholm. Good morning, Anne. Good morning, Bobby. I'm just trying to picture Mike walking by on his fancy new legs, smelling your pies, <laughs> plotting, a, plotting a scheme to steal them and hopefully share them with me. Is it the little scent waft that has the finger on the end of it that goes out the window and yeah. like beckons? <laughs> exactly. It's a Hanna-Barbera cartoon <laughs> with a pie. And uh, This is your Monday recap edition of Little Red Bandwagon. We're going to do some LRB business, followed by your week in review, housekeeping, and how you can get involved in the show. We've got so much to talk about. Before we do that, just a reminder, if you haven't listened to Friday's show yet, you've had two chances now, Friday and a year ago. Uh, both times shows about moms, why it matters. It's a classic LRB from last year when Mike and Phyllis and I listened back to a 2008 TVTL where Luke, Jen, and Sean interviewed their moms. And seriously, if you've been through twice and haven't heard it yet, I don't know what's wrong with you because it's so good that <laughs> okay. we dusted it off to play it again. Please do that. And, of course, happy Mother's Day. But by the time this comes out, it won't be Mother's Day anymore. That's okay. Uh, before we do listener feedback, and could you tell us about these pies? Because the picture is insanely <laughs> um, cookbook worthy. Like it's the perfect white background and the racks, and we're ready to all come visit. I'm kind of on a pie kick. I made a whole bunch of pie dough and divided it out into crust portions and stuck them in the freezer. So then I can just pull a couple out whenever I want to and roll some pie crust. And so I decided to make some rhubarb custard pies with a crumble on top. So oh, that sounds so good. I know I wasn't quite um, in my usual time management schedule this morning, but I figured um, I had an hour and a half before we were starting and they were supposed to cook for an hour. And so I put them in and then they clearly weren't done after an hour and they weren't done after an hour and 40. They weren't done after an hour and 50. And I was like, I have to do a podcast. <laughs> so <laughs> they just barely came out of the oven. I was like, well, if they're not done, then that's the way it's going to be. <laughs> hey, we will put this podcast on hold as long as necessary to make sure that pies are safe. Uh, in no time, uh, Anne's going to be back doing another guest segment on preheated and <laughs> we're going to be waiting for that too. I was going to try to do my best Andrea Ballard impression, actually asking you about the pies, but I just can't, she's too charming. I can't keep yes. up. Yes. You're no match for uh, Andrea Ballard. 
It's true. And and listeners, by the way, friend of the show, Andrea Ballard, is the co-host of a podcast called Preheated, which we have mentioned before and is delightful. I started listening to it um, because she was on the show and I wanted to see how her new project was going. And I just haven't stopped listening to it. Now that it's in my feed, I listen every week. And uh, I am just delighted by her and her now uh, moving to London co-host. Mm-hmm. So keep a tab on that uh, if you're done listening to every LRB ever made twice. On to our throw your phone moments. And you've done a nice job summarizing sort of our tidy feedback for this week. Could you run us through it? Yes. We're still getting comments coming in from um, not this most recent Friday, but the Friday before the Phyllis Faves um, regarding what Mike referred to as the tyranny of snacking. Uh, it turns out that this is a pretty universal problem. So we've had lots of great comments on the Facebook page of people saying, oh, my God, yes, me too. This is a thing, and it's awful. So I, this is a whole new world for me. I think it's hysterical. I rebel against the snacking overlords, guys. You don't have to do this. Your kids will not starve. Well, I, I don't know if I'm blowing up anyone's spot, so I'll keep this as anonymous as possible, but a parent that we know well uh, has a child who was in an extracurricular activity in school just a few days ago. And that child had to stay half an hour later. An hour, I think because an hour. hour. Okay. An extra hour. And this is a child who already has multiple snacks and a lunch in the middle of his or her day, because it's already a snack heavy structure. Uh, And another parent was so concerned that this child did not have a third or fourth snack for the day for this extra hour that they gave this child extra snack from from his or her child's snack. My anonymizing is becoming really complicated. Really... <laughs> Let's just say the kid got an extra snack because he or she would have died otherwise. Definitely. And uh, uh, that parent is a hero. Yes. <laughs> it takes a village, Bobby. Yeah. Um, I love snacks, but I'm an adult now. I can get my own snacks. I've earned that that choice. Right. Kids, kids can suck it up. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Uh, we had just one really great piece of feedback from last week's recap uh, from Anne Louise. <laughs> she wrote on Facebook, bless you folks. I could not bring myself to listen to Radio Shack talk. And you let me know <laughs> that was the right call. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I can imagine to be more boring than Radio Shack Talk is the Apple Store. <laughs> and Louise, you're we're welcome. Here for. <laughs> That's too bad because I've actually hidden a segment from today's show behind the least interesting thing at the Apple Store. <laughs> but you got to come back and listen to it before we have to clean. <laughs> yeah. And then finally, in feedback, we just want to say congratulations to our friend Anthony. He sent us a little email saying, I've been waiting for five years, and it's finally here. He says he officially gets to call himself a techno geek with a spreadsheet, and um, he is now a tengineer. So I assume that means he graduated from some academic program. So congratulations, Anthony. We're very proud of you. And I'm proud of us for being mildly more interesting than those grueling, lonely hours in the lab that he referenced. <laughs> it's a low bar. I hate to I hate to correct you right at, at, at your high point here, Anthony, but it's spreadsheet. Oh yeah, that's true. I just assumed that he earned the the T. You know, when you graduate with letters. Oh, you get your T. Yeah, you okay. get your T. Okay, so it's okay. Fair enough. 
And that's listener feedback for this latest week in the world of TBTL fandom. Before we go on to our week in review, we've got a few other things I want to cover, including some breaking news in the world of Little Red Bandwagon co-hosts and favorite people. Wait, wait, wait. And that is It's better than the actual drop. Thank you. The Public Radio News Directors Incorporated have named their first ever editor of the year, Phyllis Fletcher. I believe that's the first annual editor of the year no i i can tell you it's definitely not the first annual because (laughs) there's no such thing as first annual she is the inaugural editor of the year next year when they prove it's annual they may have a second annual but not this year and phyllis would have caught that if they had let her edit the story announcing her getting this award i am confident uh so congratulations to phyllis that article is up on the stens page and i'll put it in the show notes it's got a great picture of her yep there's Everyone talking about how great she is, and it's all perfectly deserved. It's um, an honor that I didn't know was coming, even though I bet Phyllis did, because she's too humble to tell us about these things, though I'm sure she will buy the award. Yes. (laughs) Uh, And before we go on, uh, Meredith, you've been busy the last couple of weeks. Can you tell us about it? I have. I haven't been on the show for the past couple of weeks because I've been traveling like crazy. And um, as I mentioned before I left, uh, three weeks ago, I was in Scottsdale, Arizona for a bachelorette party. And and my question, and I think everyone else's question is, what? Why Scottsdale? <laughs> and <laughs> It's actually their city slogan. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why Scottsdale? <laughs> Scottsdale, the Bay City. Why? Um and I, I quickly found out that Scottsdale is crazy. It's nuts. I couldn't believe it. It was. It's more of a party town than like Vegas. Huh. Um, there were cl- there was a section of the city where there were clubs. I mean, just lining the streets. Um, and most of them were open air. It was actually pretty nice weather. It was kind of a good time to be in Arizona. It wasn't too hot. Um, but it was just bonkers. Like we stayed at a, at a at the W, which I think this particular hotel was tailor made for bachelor and bachelorette parties because that's basically all that was going on. They had a DJ playing extremely loud music almost twenty four hours a day. Um, so all three nights we went to sleep with earplugs in because the DJ was still going at three in the morning. Um, there was insane pool parties all day long. It was just another extension of all the clubbing. And uh, we spent, uh, I think, most of the evenings at various clubs. And that's kind of what the what the bride and her real close friends like to do. Um, I, that's not really my scene. <laughs> and uh, there was one other woman there who is uh, pregnant. And so she and I shared a room and we had very similar energy levels, which was good for <laughs> both of us. <laughs> And uh, so she she couldn't drink, obviously, and so and I didn't want to get, you know, very intoxicated in in this situation. And so I've cultivated a really good like stay away from me aura over the years. Like people don't approach me <laughs> at bars. Like I, you know, guys never like came up and you know would hit on me at bars or anything like that. And so I I used that and I I kind of made a, a force field around the two of us. Uh, to protect us from these lecherous dudes. And everybody else was, like, doing some rather inappropriate dancing. Uh, but I guess that's what bachelorette parties are for. So um, it was it was an, an experience. Um, oh, I Meredith, guess that I sounds was... awful, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> we, you know, um, my roommate and I kind of made it 
bearable. Uh, we, we did our own thing a couple times. We went to dinner by ourselves and, um, you know, didn't participate in the pouring of vodka down each other's throats and things like that. So <laughs> we made it tolerable. It was certainly uh, something to witness. Um, so <laughs> this is for the destina- destination wedding that I'm going to in the Dominican Republic in June. So this is going to be quite the expensive debacle of a wedding. Um, the next weekend, uh, Duff had a business meeting in Denver last Thursday. And as soon as he said Denver, I said, yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) I, I wasn't planning on being out of town and I was assuming I was going to be on the show. But as soon as that came up, I, I, I went to the, to our little chat and I was like, Hey guys, (laughs) I have an opportunity to go to Denver. And everyone's like, all right, just go. (laughs) Mile high city. Here I come in more ways than one. That that joke never stops being funny when you're in Denver. Um, so I Duff had a, a lot of uh, work stuff he had to do. He had meetings on Thursday and Friday um, and breakfast meetings, lunch meetings and stuff. So I was kind of on my own for a lot of it. And I spent a lot of time checking out the various shops in Denver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there's a lot of uh, fun dispensaries to go to. And it was it was great. I found some really interesting products. Um one of them is a bath soak um, that if you're curious, just send me a private message and I'll tell you about it. <laughs> uh, just some really fascinating products. I had a great time in Denver. We were there Thursday through Sunday, kind of a spur of the moment trip. And it was great. It was beautiful weather there too. So um, I, I guess uh, of the two weekends, I would prefer the Denver one. <laughs> that maybe goes without saying, but I'm glad to be home. I don't think that they should call them dispensaries. That sounds so clinical. I think they should call them emporiums. Emporiums? <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they, they do have like medical uh, sections. Um, and, and if you have a medical reason to have it, you get to buy more at one time and you have oh. a separate little area. So there is kind of a clinical aspect to it. Interesting. Although the vast majority of people are not there on the medical side. <laughs> But I like Emporium. Yeah, Emporium, it's still a step up from head shop, <laughs> but it's it's not as intimidating as dispensary. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, we're glad to have you back, and uh, we're going to dive right into our week in review, starting with Monday 2375, when Harry met Swaggy, starting with a conversation about the Starburst, you're boring me to death and I'm already dead, you're boring me back to death drop. Uh, because we realize that that is Zach Woods who plays the uh, ultimate beta male on Silicon Valley, uh, and but his character is great. He's also the 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 bro app drop, right? That just kills me every time. <laughs> um, we also find that this is Luke's birthday, and he is, I believe, in the words of Carrie, forty wonderful. <laughs> That's cute. Yeah. yeah. Um, you may remember from a week ago that Luke uh, had made a joke about Third Eye Blind with a pun on Third Eye Blind lyrics that he thought would not make it into Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. It did make it into Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Uh, but it wasn't even my favorite part of that episode of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. My favorite part was when he said under his breath about a bird that got hit uh, that that bird got Randy Johnsoned. 
Oh. And, <laughs> and it was right as they faded away into a break. And I just heard it in the background. I had to rewind the podcast and listen to it again. But mainly for the sake of Mike Frizzell, I wanted to mention that a Randy Johnson bird joke got worked into wait, wait. Uh, the guys break down the win in doubt, swag it out jokes that have taken over their text message chain recently. That's um, that's a, a, a phrase embraced by Mariner Danny Valencia uh, and working swag jokes into popular culture. Uh, not only has filled their text chain, but has also come up with today's show title, which was predetermined over the weekend when Harry met Swaggy. Um, though I liked Swag Shank Redemption more. <laughs> well, I wrote down in my notes, this is not interesting. Stop talking about your joke process. Tell the joke, <laughs> but then let's not have a 10-minute discussion about how you got there. Wait, have you ever heard TVTL? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, unless he has warmed up recently, I can say that um, this was still more interesting than Danny Valencia's performance this year. So, again, for the baseball fans, that's for you. Uh, Susie Burbank uh, called an audible this year, calling Luke not to sing Happy Birthday, but instead to sing For He's a Jelly Good Fellow. <laughs> I like the other thing that he said that she called him last week to tell him how much Paula Poundstone was cracking her up on Wait, Wait, Don't <laughs> Tell Me. Your friend is so funny. <laughs> well, that is why Lucas said before when he's on a panel, if Paula's there, it takes the pressure off because he knows everybody just just there for her. Right. She is really funny. Yeah. Uh. And our dazzling donor from Monday, I don't want to skip over this, is uh, senior bidet correspondent Chris Hayes. And all he wants is to hear the Techno Geeks with Spreadsheet uh, remix that Luke made. Best request. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, top story for Monday. Uh, there is a new product uh, hitting the market that is a Bluetooth-enabled salt shaker. <sighs> oh, come on. Does everything have to be Bluetooth and does everything have to be a speaker? Here's the thing. As far as I can tell, it's not even um, like the the Bluetooth doesn't actually control anything to do with the salt. Uh, no, it's just to dispensing. play music. It's just a Bluetooth speaker <laughs> taped to a salt shaker. I was in the kitchen <laughs> when I heard this episode and I stopped and made a Bluetooth salt shaker. Is it on Kickstarter? Can I buy uh, it? I put it on the Facebook page, the LRB Facebook page, and I said, anyone can have one for ninety nine ninety nine. Just send me a check made out to cash. Oh, that sounds right. reasonable. Yeah. I have I have salt shakers. I have packing tape. I have I have inexpensive Bluetooth speakers, <laughs> and I'm happy to tape them together for you. Custom order, artisanal. <laughs> They're bespoke. I don't know, Bobby, because this Bluetooth, whatever the smalt, which is the, a yeah. terrible, terrible smalt. name, it lights up. Does yours can, light up? I can do that. I'm going to find a pair of those sneakers from the 90s with the lights in them, and I'm just going to strap <laughs> one of those to it. Perfect. That one's going to be $149.99, though. i got to cover my nut. Yeah. But, uh, yes, uh, the guys talk about the ridiculousness that is this, uh, and compared to the dirty jeans being sold by Nordstrom right now. Yeah, Nordstrom's good for that about once a quarter. The thing about this is, as they talked about it, Luke started off by saying this is ridiculous, but the further down the line they got, he started being like, oh, 
well, maybe that is kind of cool. And I was like, nope, stop. Uh, Luke can justify anything. So this doesn't surprise me, but his, his change of, of opinion on this was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Well, I think he was, he, he was pushing the limits of trying to talk himself into something. You know, it's, it's even farther, I guess, for him than a laser baldness helmet. <laughs> And I think he was actually trying to see if he could talk himself into it. Uh-huh. Uh, but the reason I don't think he will be able to is uh, because he expressed his mild frustration with Bluetooth, which I only mention because Andrew had the most awkward moment where he says you'll bring so much joy into your life by going through and manually renaming all your Bluetooth devices. <laughs> I've never heard him this excited about something that was such boring content for TBTL. <laughs> uh, we have a voicemail from an anonymous listener uh, who has a job as an investigator for a local government or a county government, something like that. Uh, and they issued him a car with this new job that he just got recently, a Ford Fusion. And because he had time on his lunch breaks, he was taking this car home to go to lunch, but maybe taking breaks longer than he should. Uh, And in a meeting with his boss, it sounds like firmly but politely, the boss let him know, uh, hey, FYI, your government-issued car uh, has a tracking device on it, which has got to be pretty typical for a government-issued car. Mm -hmm. Uh, We know what you're doing. Please stop. Oh, my God. I would fall (laughs) down dead on the spot. Yeah. Uh, I, I, anonymous listener, I don't know if you're an LRB listener, but I just, how do you not assume that a government issued car is going to be low jacked? Yeah. You know, of course it is. They just, it's, it's a ridiculously expensive amount of government property. You know, mm-hmm. they put tags on like the printer in your office. They're going to put a tag on your car. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can see his yeah. sort of, um, not conundrum, but when you start a new job often there's some period of of growth where maybe you don't quite have enough to do to fill the hours and what's he supposed to do apparently go watch a baseball game at home Take a <laughs> i <nap>. guess <laughs> i just saw a commercial this morning for the local i team the local news investigator squad uh with hidden camera footage of city and state employees sleeping in their cars and mm. parking lots on the clock. I think that story happens once every couple of years. And this guy is going to narrowly avoid being busted by a local TV journalist in a red spark coat. <laughs> <laughs> so what? straighten up now. Nap, nap in your office like a normal person. I don't think that at the University of Minnesota they have tracking devices on the vehicles, but... Uh, I do know that they pay very close attention because we have two campuses. We have a Minneapolis campus and a St. Paul campus, and they're a couple of couple of miles apart. And so there is some driving back and forth for people. And it is known that if you get caught off campus in a way that makes it seem that you are not directly on your way to one of the other campuses, you're going to be in trouble. So it's, it's a visual thing, but uh, they're very concerned about it. So don't go out of your way to pick up lunch or... Stop at a coffee shop or anything like that. Yeah. And blink twice if you need us to get that ankle monitor off of you. (laughs) I'm fine. Everything's Uh, fine. Don't worry about me. (laughs) The dress word is snacks. (laughs) 
Andrew mentions his friend Pam, who sadly recently passed away, and goes on a bit of a sincere tangent about the place that social media holds for us today and just being careful to not let that replace genuine relationships and connections with people, which I'm sure caused a lot of people to say either, yes, that's very true, or how dare you, old man, social media is the way we stay in touch. Um, I don't know we need to dive into it too much either way because he didn't mention it as a particularly large part of the show. And I just – I felt for him and I thought he made a good point. Um, and basically it came down to saying remind people that they're special to you, which I thought was touching. Yeah. yeah I thought it was kind of an abrupt turn to go down this path of sincerity, but it was very nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to do that here because the last thing we need is an abrupt turn towards sincerity on this show. <laughs> Uh, we get an email from a production assistant who worked on Better Call Saul and said that um, Genevieve's dream of being yelled at by Bob Odenkirk is probably not going to happen because she was accidentally a dick to him once and he was still a really nice guy about it. <laughs> that made, that story was so sweet. It made me yeah. like him a lot more. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the show ends with some post-coitus motorcycle riding music from Top Gun. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it was on Tuesday that Andrew mentioned it again, and he brought up the video. So I, I watched the video. It is ridiculous. It is so, like, the guitar player is so 80s out in his leather pants, and his <laughs> hair is gigantic. And there, it's him and the piano player, and, like, the piano player's, like, rocking out on the piano. And the guitar player, he's like playing dramatically in front of a jet and then he's playing dramatically on the wing of the jet and it's so ridiculous i i I recommend people check that out you don't even have to watch the whole thing but damn it was funny (laughs) uh that is uh top gun anthem Mm -hmm. Uh, apparently the official name of that song let's put the that link in the show notes i think everybody should watch it (laughs) and uh i'll hand it over to you meredith all right, Tuesday, 2376, Bellingham Backwoods Beauty. Luke uh, jinxes himself right off the bat by noting that he hasn't had any allergies yet. It's a beautiful spring day. Um, Andrew has had allergies, but they got better in what he calls arid zona. <laughs> <laughs> and we learn how to spell Albuquerque. <laughs> now that is kind of a tricky one, I will say. Well, yeah, and I think if you're not... Saying Al Bu Quer Qui in your head when you're writing it, you're lying. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um the the guys mentioned that they're gonna be in Minnesota next week working for the fun drive. Mm-hmm. And Andrew says that he barely knows who he is anymore because he hasn't organized a pledge drive in so long. He needs a, <laughs> a whiteboard and a clipboard or a white clipboard <laughs> to make himself feel whole again and remind him who he is. So I, I'm glad he's really looking forward to this. It sounds like he's not going to be on air. He's going to be doing the organizing. He's mm-hmm. going to be right where he feels most comfortable. Yes. yes. Yeah. Now, there was a short conversation about this on the Minnesota 10s page because we were, you know, pondering if there would be any possibility to have a, a meetup while they're here. And it certainly doesn't sound like that's going to happen. But Shanna and Heidi and I were pondering whether we could hide in the skyways and then jump out at Andrew as he was, like, walking for his <laughs> coffee in the morning. <laughs> You would give him a heart attack. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, wait. <laughs> well, I would love to hear if that happens. Please report back. 
Uh, if you would please do that, just so that my magazine subscriptions seem a little less creepy. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, for some reason, the R bar comes up. Uh, Luke is talking about how it turned into a speakeasy at night, and it sometimes had a password and sometimes didn't, and it vexed him because he would build it up to other people of, I know the password, and either they didn't ask for it, it was the wrong password, <laughs> and it just made him look very uncool. Well, and we know that that's the important thing. Exactly. That's Luke's uh, worst nightmare. Um, Andrew talks about how he had a hard time in L.A. finding a laundromat that had a bar nearby, um, but that he found it in the R-Bar or near the R-Bar. Whatever. Whatever. Um, <laughs> the, the real story for today, I think, is that Andrew did some illegal dumping. <laughs> uh, he, <laughs> he had an orange chair that had been destroyed by the cats to the point where it wasn't really donatable. Um, so he had it rattling around in the back of his car for a long time and, and he, for some reason, never really made it to the dump. So instead he got sick of it and decided to just drop it off near some young people, uh, <laughs> thinking maybe they would use it. But I, I don't understand. Why can't he just put it out at the curb in front of his house and put a cardboard sign on that says free? Yeah. Don't people do that in Seattle? I don't remember if there was a weather factor. I mean, again, it was being left out next to a dumpster. Anyway, he said it was so a night. He made same. a point of saying it was a nice day when he left it by the dumpster because yeah. they, they went on a real long rant of justification of why this yes. is all right. Uh -huh. And part of it is, well, it was a nice day. It wasn't going to get soaked with rain. So, yeah, he definitely could have done that on any nice day between when he put it in his car and when he finally dumped it. Um, but all's well that ends well because he didn't get arrested for it. Um, although he did return to the scene of the crime. <laughs> <laughs> rookie mistake um they talk a lot about the dump and uh we've heard of luke's love for the dump before um and i thought there was a really funny uh dichotomy here luke loves that he basically said you could he you can throw trash anywhere at the dump you could just go and just throw trash and andrew was like no there are rules <laughs> there are rules about dumping trash <laughs> That's their uh, yeah, personalities. That, that, that's them in in a moment. Yep. <laughs> right there. Yep. Uh, but yeah, when they did come back to the, the scene of the crime, the, the chair indeed was gone. So somebody somebody used it, which is yeah. good, I guess. I like that the point was made that people can make signs that say anything. <laughs> right. This was like the, the, no, the illegal <laughs> dumping signs behind the apartments <laughs> or whatever. Right. Ah! Oh, it was the, uh, I think it was prosecution by law. Or something like that. Well, you know, people can make signs that say anything. Sure. sure. I, isn't there like a rash of um, of fake no parking signs going up? I think one of my Seattle friends posted that on their Facebook page that, that people are, are making fake no parking signs. That's evil Why, and genius. Why, to hold their own spots? I, I don't know. I don't think I actually read the article. I think I just saw the headline. But So that goes to if... Bobby's point that you can just make a sign. But I wonder yeah. if the, the, the meter maids would obey that sign then. Hmm. That's interesting because are they working off of a map or are they right. just following the signs? Right. Uh, I know around here people will sometimes paint the curbs like they'll paint the curb yellow in front mm -hmm. of their, their establishment. And people think that that means you can't park there. But there's there's nothing. Painting mm -hmm. curbs doesn't mean anything. Oh, so it's just to, to deter dummies from parking in your spot. 
Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought a really fun, dazzling deed about this whole chair story is that um, afterwards, uh, Andrew went to get some pho and ran into listener Kelly and immediately just told him so- on himself <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> It was clearly like giving him some anxiety and he needed to get it off his chest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love it. Um, next up is their live show talk. They said that the tickets are almost sold out, the the live show in Austin. Um, uh, Luke is uh, worried about how he's going to run when they're on this trip and he thinks they're going to have to get going, he says, uh, early each morning. And... I- Again, I think Mike's pointed this out. This trip is not five full days of driving. Mm-hmm. It's like a 30-hour trip, maybe. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can go for a run in the morning, Luke. Uh, I I do think that they need to leave enough time for unexpected hijinks, though. They will get stuck somewhere. There will be hangovers. Sure. I think they will be rushing to get to their next place every day for various reasons unplanned. Well, and I don't think Luke is going to want to run anyway. And you're right, I guess. If they're, if they're not using the bathroom in the RV, they're going to have to stop every two hours. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> what they should do is multitask. Luke should just run alongside the RV like Secret Service. Oh, that's, well, a, good that's point. a good idea. They could just, you know, just slow roll the RV through <laughs> through town and he could just, you know. Um, he mentions that they're going to stop in Marfa. Um, and I think I've told this story before, but I have a disastrous Marfa trip under my belt. And it wasn't because, have, it didn't have anything to do with Marfa. It had everything to do with an Airbnb owner lying about the location of his house. Uh, it said it was in Marfa and it was about an hour away from Marfa. And we got a flat what? tire on the way there in the middle of nowhere where we had no cell service and there were no people other than border agents um, driving, like, I don't know, miles and miles away from us so we ended up uh on this kind of mountainous area uh with a flat tire that we couldn't change um because unbeknownst to us you can't change a uh, tire with the parking brake on and uh so duff has changed many a tire in his life and he was just frustrated as all get out because he couldn't figure this one out um so we ended up just hiking back we hiked about seven miles in the middle of nowhere with no cell phone service, uh, thinking we were probably going to get murdered by rattlesnakes or, or I don't know who, but, uh, we found some nice people who helped us and, uh, took us in their car back to our car and changed the tire in about three minutes. (laughs) (laughs) We're kind enough to not laugh at us. And they, they let us use their phone to call. It was a Sunday too. So nothing was open. We were in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, so we had to go find a, a real tire for this car and they helped us out and we ended up taking them to dinner. Uh, to thank them. It was Valentine's Day, so it was a very romantic uh, trip. But we ended up saying uh, goodbye to this uh, Airbnb that was an hour away from Marfa. We just left early. We just told them what happened. We were like, you kind of lied to us about where we were here. And we went to actual Marfa, and we stayed in a really, really cool hotel, and we saw Michael Sarah. Really? He was, yeah, he was doing a road trip with his girlfriend and my friend, uh, Jocelyn and I were sitting at the bar or at the pool or something. And I was like, that guy really looks like Michael (laughs) Sarah. And we saw him a few more times. I was like, that is Michael Sarah, isn't it? And he was driving a Corolla from New York, had New York plates. So I wonder if he had, it was either a rental or if he had driven all the way across the country. I can't even imagine. Yeah, we didn't approach him. We were afraid. No. <laughs> well, you were polite. 
yes. I would be thrilled to know that a movie star owns and would drive a Corolla. That That's far. what I thought. Feel better about my Corolla ownership. Hey, Corolla is a great car. Got yep. me all through college. <laughs> um, the dumb top story of the day is fidget spinners. I'm already <laughs> sick of these things. I love your um, sly editorializing there. <laughs> Just slip that right in. <laughs> Uh, they play a video from YouTube of a professional spinner. I don't know if it was today, but they were they were still talking about YouTube ads. And every time this pops up, I just scream in my head, will you just pay for a YouTube subscription? Please, mm-hmm. please, please. So we don't have to keep talking about the commercials. Oh, because they were talking about how you can't even skip them now. Right. Well, and it's you not can like... if you pay $5 a month or whatever. Right. Yep. It, it's not like they couldn't expense that to APM. Exactly. Ugh. Um, Andrew does say, quote, there's something about the lubrication of a ball bearing. Gross. Kind of funny. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> so glad you're the one who said it. Because <laughs> if I say it, I just sound like a pervert. Um, I just, these fidget spinners, uh, which I feel like I woke up one day and suddenly they were everywhere. Uh, I didn't know they existed two weeks ago. But first I saw them in my Facebook feed. Mm-hmm. And now... I see them everywhere in my life. Not the actual spinners, but people selling the spinners. Mm -hmm. The other day I was driving home and a gas station near my house had a 10 by 10 pop-up in the parking lot dedicated to selling fidget spinners. Then I was on a walk around my office the other day up and down the street and every crappy little store, no matter what their primary concern is, had a sign taped up in the window saying, we have fidget spinners (laughs) just everywhere. So how much do these things Uh, cost? I don't know. I don't think much. I think they're a few bucks. Hmm. I mean, there's just a little piece of plastic with a ball bearing in it, right? Yeah. <sighs> uh, is is this like when everyone bought Beanie Babies? Are they all going to have different names? And are we going to collect? Like, is your fidget spinner going to lose value if you take the tag off it? <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to talk to a young person about this. <laughs> well, that's, on the line. that's a good point because we're hearing from our teacher friends that they are sick and tired of these already. I I think, yeah. I mean, they're sort of billed as a way to help kids focus, but the teachers seem to think that they are a huge distraction. Well, they have kept kids from flipping their water bottles for at least a couple of weeks now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think in our group chat, I, I, this might be overstating because I can't remember exactly, but I believe someone asked Dana if she had encountered any of these yet, and she sent back a picture of the four she had confiscated that morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> when these first started popping up on Facebook, I thought they were talking about fidget cubes. Um, I didn't know the difference. And I had one experience with a fidget cube when I was getting my makeup done for that ball, and the guy was poking me in the eye with eyeliner, and I could not sit still. I couldn't stop flinching. And he pulled this fidget cube out of his pocket and said, here, play with this, and then I can do your eyeliner. It didn't work at all. Hmm. And the fidget cube had a whole extra dimension of things that you could play with. Yeah, it had switches and buttons and dials. And like it theoretically, it sounds like kind of a good idea if you like to fidget, but it didn't distract me enough uh, to not flinch at a pencil coming towards my eyeball. Uh, so the lesson here is that we're all old and have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> yeah. or why you like it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and that's fine with me. Uh, we get a voicemail from Stephen in Kansas wondering uh, how Luke's very Christian parents allowed uh, 
Lord of the Rings in their house, given its uh, magic and wizards, and and uh, it kind of doesn't jive with their fear of the occult and not allowing the kids to dress up for Halloween. But this yeah. sort of magic stuff is okay. This was, I the that was best a really question. great question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and Luke says he's going to ask his parents about it, but he theorizes it's because C.S. Lewis and Tolkien were buds, and one of them was Christian. I forget which one. But uh, that, yeah. So he thinks that's probably the reason. And also that his dad just kind of likes it, so he makes it okay. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's confirmed later in the week, too. He got back to us based on what his dad said. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's Tuesday. All right, let's go to Wednesday, number 2377. Skateboards don't grow on Christmas trees. Uh, Luke refers to uh, Walt and Susie as Rudy's grandparents. And it turns out that Walt and Susie were actually not that into being dog (laughs) grandparents. And um, so they talk about this for a while. And Andrew agrees that that's kind of weird. But uh, Luke and Carrie go full, full dog parents with referring to themselves as Rudy's mom and dad and all that stuff. Meredith, how do you treat your pets this way um we do refer to duff and i refer to one another as their mom and dad um only when we're alone i don't think we've done that in front of other people just because it feels (laughs) a little weird um i did jokingly once refer to molly as my mom's granddaughter and this was before she had an actual real live grandson and she was not pleased (laughs) (laughs) she's not much of a dog person anyway she liked molly because everybody liked molly but um, she doesn't care. I've done it since, and she doesn't care because now she has a real grandson. Um, so the fact that there's a human child kind of eases the pain of her, of me only having a gaggle of animals for her to grandmother. <laughs> Bobby, how do you guys talk about cupcake? Uh, I avoid the mommy daddy talk as much as possible. It slips through once in a while, mainly from other people. Um, it makes me shudder a little bit every time, but it comes up with us primarily because, you know, similarly, we don't have kids and we sort of actively don't have kids. And so when it comes up jokingly, it's because people will talk about their kids and I'll just say something like, oh, cupcake's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or you should try having a kid who you can feed with an automatic feeder twice a day <laughs> because then you can leave her for days at a time. Yep. Um, so it only comes up in the context of how much better my life is for having a cat instead of a child. <laughs> we had a party last night because, of course, we did. And Duff had said something to one of the people in, who was a mother about how having Eddie is like having a child that you can put in a crate for four hours and not go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sort of with Andrew. I referring to your pets as your children seems kind of cuckoo to me but then i've never had anything larger than a hamster so i guess i can't i can't really judge that i'm not into anthropomorphizing things in general i don't refer to my car uh as in any way that you might think it was alive or had a personality or a gender or name or any of that so i i guess that's just not my thing, but I don't either. The dog thing seems pretty normal to me. Like it doesn't make me flinch. It doesn't make me feel weird when it's just us. And it's more like with Eddie. I don't think we do that with the cats too much, but like, um, when I'm shepherding Eddie around, I'll say, go see your dad or something like that. (laughs) I don't know. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and does he does he respond to that? I mean, no, not really. <laughs> he doesn't know. He doesn't know what we're saying. It's just for you. That's for that's code for Duff. Take your dog. <laughs> right. Uh, so in the exciting news for uh, today, Luke is getting a skateboard. Andrew immediately compares him to Poochie from The Simpsons. <laughs> and uh, he's been walking past the skateboard in uh, in town. And every time he does, he kind of drools. And so Carrie, being the wonderful and patient wife that she is, got him a gift court card to uh, construct a skateboard, custom order a skateboard. I'm, not, I'm a little vague on how this works, but he specifies that he's getting an old fangled skateboard. He doesn't want any of these, these new fangled <laughs> ones. <laughs> he is, as with many things, he's trying to, I think, um, make up for all the the things that he feels he missed out on in his childhood with the fancy well, shoes and the clothes and stuff. The skateboard is one more, one more piece of that. Those Nikes that are a size too small are going to look ridiculous on a new <laughs> skateboard. <laughs> oh Lord. And so then after this, there was a whole discussion of skateboard brands that they had when they were kids and blah, blah, blah. Um, and Luke says when he gets the skateboard, he doesn't want to ride it down Alabama Hill. He's pretty limited since they're at the top of the hill. So there's no, no place to go, but down. And he wants to know if it would be weird to ride it around town. And Anne says, yes, that would be weird. And Andrew (laughs) says, well, I wouldn't do it, but, but you do you. I just don't think that an adult grown man should be tooling around the city on a skateboard unless he's Tony Hawk. That's my exception to that. It's too weird. Or Steve Buscemi in 30 Rock. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. I want that music band. And note, uh, not to blow your transition, and I know there's other things to talk about, but uh, Steve Buscemi, not wearing a helmet in that picture. Nope. Cool backwards hat. Mm -hmm. And he looks pretty cool. Mm -hmm. He does look very cool. (laughs) Well, uh, Andrew uh, talks about how he had the shitty brand of skateboards that I didn't write down because I don't care. And Luke (laughs) is very scornful of this. And they talk about how Andrew's dad actually tried the skateboard once and he fell and he hurt his wrists, which is what gets them into the concept of protective gear. And this is where I think a lot of people's heads exploded, not just mine and not just Meredith's, is that Luke says he doesn't believe in protective gear for children Um, and that any future small Burbanks will not be wearing it because kids are so, I don't know, elastic that they're not going to be hurt by falling off their bike or falling off their skateboard or whatever. And also he didn't have a helmet when he was a kid and everything turned out great for him. That is the worst argument on earth. I know. The people who died from head injuries aren't around to say I was fine. Uh, mm, Carrie, Carrie. Yeah. You're going to have to hold, hold firm on this one. You know, you know what I blame for this? I blame Jesus Creek. I blame Jesus Creek. 
I blame homeschooling, I blame Susie Burbank, and I blame pizza and pipes for Luke spending so much time <laughs> trying to get Susie to take him there when he was homeschooled. Because if it wasn't for these things, he might have learned a little bit of logic and learned how to read perhaps a scientific study <clears throat> that says that, yes, helmets keep people from dying. It was interesting because I did look up a few studies about this. And there is an anti-helmet camp because they say that once you require helmets, then there's a certain portion of the population that will just refuse to ride bikes. And that's what they object to. And I'm like, good, fine. If they're not going to ride a helmet, then don't ride a bike. I have zero problem with that. So their whole angle is that ridership will go down if they require safety equipment. And I am totally fine with that. Yeah. Ugh, this is just so stupid. I can't even believe it. And there was there's a great um, thread on the Stens page where people were like, well, yeah, this happened to my kid or this happened to my sibling or I knew this person that died. And so it's just a shame that Luke will never see it. Right. So stupid. Um, and then Andrew talks about, again, how he wants to get into rollerblading. He wants specifically to rollerblade around Green Lake. But then he asks Luke, is this okay since we're not into protective gear? Can, can I wear knee pads and a helmet with this? And Luke's like, well, yeah, because we're 40. We break easy. We're 40, not five. And then, you know, my head hit the desk and I banged it for a while because <laughs> this is so <laughs> stupid. And were you wearing your helmet, Anne? <laughs> Ooh, that's a good point, Bobby. <laughs> And they get into a discussion of why is skateboarding cool, but rollerblading is not cool. And I say that your whole premise here is incorrect, that skateboarding is cool because it is not. <laughs> you look just as dorky on a skateboard as you do on rollerblades. I, I guess the idea of rollerblades goes back to like the 90s at Venice Beach where people were wearing their bikini tops and their short shorts and being generally a 90s type person i just don't think that's any stupider than skateboarding i think it just depends on if you're if you're skilled at it or not if you're not good at rollerblading you look like a dweeb and if you're not good at skateboarding you look like a dweeb (laughs) until you get good at it (laughs) but i didn't know anybody was rollerblading anymore i don't know when did it stop i don't know i don't know i never i owned one pair of rollerblades i almost never used them as a kid i just didn't enjoy it at all it's hard on the ankles yeah i had I'm not pair, as... well we were really into um hockey and street hockey and so my brother would would uh play street hockey and rollerblades mm. a lot and so we all had pairs but my mom like f- we had to wear helmets and wrist guards and knee pads <laughs> you know because <laughs> it's and and those wrist guards saved me a ton of times because that's how you fall right on your wrists. basically you put your hands out and you land on your wrists mm-hmm I, I don't, I never had uh, rollerblades and I was never interested because I'm not that uh, graceful on my own two feet. Let's not add eight wheels <laughs> to the situation. <laughs> I just never found that to uh, be necessary. I want to pile on uh, to the Facebook conversations with, with my story because it's honestly a story that I almost never even remember until this helmet conversation came up this week. So it's very short and sweet. I was in middle school. I took my bike uh, out of the bike rack at school. It was later in the day. There weren't a lot of people around. 
I got on my bike with my helmet on. I started to ride, and it was on a sidewalk, and I had to hop down to the road level. So I'd hop down a curb, and it was a mountain bike, so whatever. So I'd just go. But when I get off the curb, my front wheel had become loose from the frame of the bike and came out under and rolled forward ahead of me. And the front of my bike hit the ground with the forks, the front Oof, forks mm-hmm. of the bike, firmly on the ground. And I flipped right over it and landed on my head straight down on top of my head and cracked my helmet clean in half. And it would have been my skull. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it could have killed me. It definitely would have hurt the hell out of me. It would have been a bad injury. People still ran over and were like, oh, my God, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm I'm okay. Um, I don't know. I was probably concussed, but nobody cared back then. But uh, – <laughs> I wasn't dead. And and it's actually the most impressive part to me is that it's a story I often forget about. Like, I don't think of it as a near death experience because well, I was fine because I broke a, will do that to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I broke, I broke a $15 helmet in half. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so there you go, kids, wear your goddamn helmets. Yeah. Really. Yeah. The moral of the story is, Oh, don't listen to Luke about any of this stuff. <laughs> Or anything in general, really. (laughs) Nope. I I mean, the whole thing derives from him not wanting to look dorky by wearing a helmet, right? If you allow how you want to appear to other people to drive your decision making, that's, I think, a very poor strategy. So, Well, and Andrew even mentions, I took a note that he thinks that if he takes up rollerblading that V's will never have sex with him again. (laughs) Um, And I wrote that I guess we'll have to wait until sex day rolls around in November to find out if that's true or not. Right. So uh, moving on to the dazzling donor of the day, I was pretty amused by this. Uh, Our dazzling donor, Julia Marconi, does not include a pronouncer with her name because she figures out that as two radio professionals, they will be able to pronounce Marconi. So they have to kind of up the ante and go looking for Marconi's first name, which they can't pronounce, the inventor of the radio, uh, which I assume you just pronounce as Giulielmo. Marconi doesn't seem that hard, but that was yeah. pretty interesting. That it was fun to hear them, you know, t- take a situation that they should have had in hand, and then sort of destroy it and add a, a layer of of confusion. What were they? But they going? Were they calling him like Guglielmo or something? <laughs> I think I remember the year that Guglielmo sold out. <laughs> it was a hot Christmas toy. I don't think they even got as far as Guglielmo. (laughs) And then they followed up this dazzling donor with the ad break for Sherry's Berries started out with a dream catcher. And I just mentioned that because it really threw me. Me I was like, whoa, wait, what's happening here? And that was strangely disturbing. I don't I don't want that, Andrew. Don't do that again. I mean, it was a good ad spot, but it was just too, too strange for me. Then the top story for today is that Sazerac, and is that how you pronounce it? It's it's like yeah, a, Sazerac, it's a, like from New Orleans, I think. So I assume that there might be a French pronunciation, but Sazerac. Well, has it's a... it's really pronounced Guglielmo. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> well, however, yeah, like all like all French things from New Orleans, it's probably thoroughly mispronounced. But yeah. right, yeah, Sazerac's right. good bastardized thoroughly uh, well however we pronounce it they've acquired southern comfort and they're going to actually start adding whiskey to it um it turns out that uh, everybody thought that it already had whiskey i did not because i've never even stopped to consider what 
Southern Comfort is made of since I don't drink. But um, I, I looked it up. It's actually the Sazerac cocktail. I got uh, sidetracked on that. That's super interesting that they wash the interior of the glass with absinthe before they add mm. the brandy and stuff. Mm, that sounds kind of cool. But um, so Southern Comfort has not ever, I think, had actual uh, whiskey in it. It's described as a grain-neutral spirit base, which is kind of like vodka. And so now they're actually going to start putting some of the, the real deal in there. And so it turns out that Southern Comfort is the first alcohol that Luke ever experienced over at James DeMuth's house. With, was it James DeMuth and his, either his stepbrother, I think? His old brother or his stepbrother. Whenever we bring up James DeMuth in a story, I know that something Susie would not approve of is about to happen. <laughs> so that was uh, Luke's first experience with that. And then Andrew says that when he was a freshman at Kent State, his cousin got him some Southern Comfort. Uh, and it gave him the courage to to kiss a girl for the first time. That led to his first Makeout session. So I don't know. Is he fond of Southern Comfort because of this? Is he embarrassed? I Whatever. He's probably embarrassed just because he's Andrew. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, so then uh, as they are wont to, they kind of wander into an alcohol discussion. And Luke brings up the fact that somebody was talking to him about Fireball and he just couldn't let it go because he feels, I mean, what does he feel? What we say he, that he feels about Fireball, that it's like a, that people that drink it are posers. Yeah. I yeah. think... Um, that you can't be a real alcoholic if you drink Fireball. <laughs> and Andrew, There's a title I, I really want to have. Yeah. A real alcoholic. I know. Andrew brings up, I, I think he was going back to um, what they talked about before with the movie Logan, although he doesn't uh, mention it by name this time, about how there was an empty bottle of Fireball that was meant to convey that he was a drunk and, again, says that uh, a Fireball drunk is not a real thing. And um, uh, we heard from someone who uh, did some fireball drinking and was perhaps a fireball drunk who said that it's a good thing uh, for alcoholics because it's cinnamon flavored. And so they thought that it was a good camouflage and that nobody would know that they had been drinking because right. of the cinnamon scent. So uh, that's another way to, to look at it that I think makes more sense than Luke and Andrew being stupid about this. Uh, but so they talk about this for a while. And then Luke claims ownership of alcoholism, which I think is crazy. And he kind of acknowledges that this is not the best thing to sort of be taking pride in to meet people at bars and you know, think you call yourself an alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic, but <laughs> man, he needs to stop with this particular line of thought. I think because that is not healthy. No. The no. biggest part of the, that bothers me of this is that Luke always talks such a big game about everything. He's not even qualified enough to own alcoholism. Like <laughs> Luke is at best a social drunk. Mm hmm. And not even to the – he's not even pushing the lines of functional alcoholism, let alone actual full-blown alcoholism. Yeah, I don't know if he like, understands what alcoholism is. Yeah. Right. Uh, and it's it's not it's not funny. And I'll go ahead and say if anyone feels like they're struggling with this, to let us know because we have a good friend we can put you in touch with who would be happy to talk to you. In all sincerity, real full-blown alcoholism is not funny. 
Luke nope. talking a big game about alcoholism is kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> and he certainly has had his days, those early days, those radio days of TBTL and shortly thereafter. I would get a little worried about him, the way that he talked about that. It seemed to be incredibly yeah. excessive. And he does have kind of an addictive personality. But I I, I think that um, he never so spiraled into full-blown alcoholism. It seems more like a frequent binge drinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which isn't great either. No. no. Nothing to be proud of. But I don't <laughs> think it's full-blown alcoholism either. My goal is to be a Goldschlager drunk because then you don't smell like cinnamon, but you look like a baller. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like your you stomach is just gold flex. Yeah, right. <laughs> your stomach is just full of gold. Well, that that part, that's the part that Chris Hayes is covering for me. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> that's a story down the line somewhere. Yeah. Uh, in emails uh, for the day, we get... Uh, one from Michelle about the hotel check-in spiel that Luke had been previously complaining about. He gets to the hotel and then he has to stand there for 15 minutes while the desk clerk goes through. Here's where the exercise room is and here's where the spa is and all the different um, features and benefits, I would say, of being at the hotel when all he wants to do is just get to his room and he hates it. And so Michelle, who did spend uh, some time as one of those front desk people, I think she said at a hotel in San Jose, which you'd think that there'd be a lot of um, perhaps uh, high rollers coming in there in Silicon Valley. Uh, she says that consistency is extremely important in building brand loyalty. So there was a sort of a secret shopper program at her hotel. And so any customer that showed up at any time could be someone who is actually testing them to make sure that they followed policy and procedure for, for the check-in. And she includes this checklist and they, they read it out. And Luke is just kind of wild. He, he hates this <laughs> so much. It's, it's pretty incredible how upset he gets. And then my favorite part of this whole discussion, Andrew says if he had it to do all over again, he wants to go back in time and be the manager of a mid-sized hotel. And he doesn't want to, <laughs> to go straight to management. <laughs> He wants to work his way up. He's going to start in like in housekeeping and maybe he'll be a bellboy and learn all the different positions and work his way up through the ranks to become the manager of a mid-sized hotel. I, it's so silly and it's so charming. I just, I love it. I think that's great. Dare to dream, Andrew. Mm -hmm. Dare to dream. <laughs> and that takes them into a discussion of customer service and how much Luke appreciates customer service jobs. And he acknowledges that they're really a lot harder than people think they are. And I think all three of us have had customer service uh, type jobs, right? And, mm -hmm. and they are mm -hmm. hard. It doesn't require a lot of specialized knowledge or brain, but I think having the emotional intelligence to deal with people is something that uh, that you don't get enough credit for because it's terribly hard. And uh, they finish up this conversation by Luke saying that he thinks that Andrew would be great at customer service and that he would be terrible at customer service since he cannot abide even the tiniest hint of criticism about himself. That may be the truth. I do think Andrew yeah. would be great at customer service. He keeps his rage saved for the podcast, which is what you need to do. <laughs> Yeah, it works for Mike. 
All right, let's go to Thursday, 2378, A Passion for Pranking. Uh, we start off with uh, some German. We're using Gutentag now. Um, yes. And I what, think they wanted they were... that to stick around, but I don't yeah. think it's going to. What they were trying for really was Guten Morgen. They made right. it to Gutentag, but they wanted Guten Morgen. Oh, yeah, you know all this, don't you? I do. <laughs> yeah, they should have called you. Um, Andrew is pretty shook right off the bat because of a voicemail that they got. And I thought they were jumping to the voicemail segment way early. And I was kind of like, what? What's going on here? Um, well, this can't wait. But he... no, <laughs> you're right. And, uh, so, so Andrew sets this up a little bit and, uh, we get, uh, this voicemail of a supposed man calling in, uh, to report that when he was in the bathroom, there was some guy in there doing kind of an anti-pep talk while he was peeing and he thought he was alone, but suddenly he wasn't. And, uh, Andrew, uh, reveals that, that he had done this exact thing over the weekend at a restaurant with some friends. And (laughs) there's so many different things to be upset about with this whole story. Um, Andrew doesn't know, he, he, he kind of thinks it, it would be worse if it was real. It would be better if it was a prank. And so they decide to call Durs, and it was clearly Durs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the big story here is that poor Andrew is talking shit to himself all the time, out loud. I know. I was happy that, that Luke kept wanting to pursue this line of talk. Yeah. Because Luke was like, wait, 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 wait. You were doing what? I don't like this way you talk to yourself. And I... You know, I don't like to to tell people that they need therapy or anything because we all have to make our own decisions on that. But, you know, at this point, I think he might want to talk to someone about that because that's really not a good thing. And he tries to minimize it by saying, well, it was probably just only in my head. Well, that makes no difference. Right. Whether it's well, out loud a, or in your head. I have a direct quote from Andrew after they sort of come to the confirmation that this was indeed a prank. He actually says jokingly, oh, shit, though, now we have to deal with the underlying issues, don't we? Yes, Andrew, well, we do. <laughs> and I wonder if he, I mean, he did brush it aside by saying it's not that bad, it's not that bad, but not really ever giving any reason why it's not that bad. I mean, mm-hmm. on its face, I don't see what else there is to it. It seems like it's pretty bad. Yeah. Well, there's the the macro picture of... Not only did he do this, but then he came back to the table and told his close friends that he was doing this. If he hadn't done that part, the prank wouldn't have happened. Right. And, you know, it was the part where he felt compelled to tell everyone that he had this moment. Well, I mean, this is a theme with Andrew this week. He told on himself for the chair thing mm-hmm. immediately yeah. to a mm-hmm. listener for no reason. <laughs> and then he told everyone at the table, like... I- Maybe, I mean, maybe that is an indication that it's not the worst thing in the world. Because if if you were really beating yourself up, wouldn't you keep that to yourself? I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, sometimes your inner thoughts are so disruptive. You just feel like you want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And maybe you should talk to a professional. So we just need to find a psychologist who serves pho. <laughs> i don't know you're he's, the dump he's very uh anti-therapist for himself he doesn't seem to be against therapy in general he seems to be very accepting of it but you know he's talked about those bad experiences he had with that one therapist who said that he would grow up to be a uh abuser 
Oh, yeah. Remember when his parents got the divorce? I think he went to the therapist. And that seems to really have turned him him off of therapy. And and also Mm -hmm. doing something like that is hard. And I I don't know. I just think that it would be probably enormously helpful for him. And and I feel bad. I mean, it's his decision. But I feel bad that he is sort of... um, so resistant to that idea so down on himself Mm -hmm. yeah 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 luke suggests that he adds you magnificent bastard to the end of every terrible thing (laughs) i love this i think this is genius yes i do it because i so this is one of the things that i work on with my therapist because i do a lot of negative self-talk and she is trying to get me to learn how to like arrest the thought and change it into something positive but the way that you you do that is so eye rolly. It's I want to eye roll like Anderson Cooper when she gives me <laughs> strategies for this stuff because I don't believe it, you know. Um, but if right. I said you magnificent bastard, that's funny. I could get into that. Maybe you should use that. Maybe yeah. I will. Maybe we should all use that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who needs therapists? <laughs> I do feel like. Uh, Luke has gotten so much mileage out of his years of therapy that yes. minute for minute, the amount of content he's pulled out of Lisa Weinberg mm-hmm. into our show. <laughs> really, I, the ROI on that's been really high. That's all. Yeah. This would have been an amazing coincidence, but I th- I had an inkling that it was – the voice sounded strangely robotic to me. Um, and I had that thought before it was revealed that it was uh, – his girlfriend doing some sort of it just sounded a little bit strange to me there was something about it that didn't sound quite right um but (laughs) i mean what a strange coincidence that would be i guess Mm -hmm. right it would be crazy um so i i have to mention that the dazzling donor for today mark gave uh money under his uh his wife's name michelle and the guys uh, invent a, a gift of the Magi situation <laughs> in which she sold her Zune to get him a laptop, which he used to donate to TBTL. Um, and this this gets us onto a long tear about Zunes. And Luke loves that he said, Bing a Zune. <laughs> which is even better because Bing used to sponsor the show. Yes. <laughs> Um, the top story for today is the most tweeted tweet in tweetstery, uh, something that g- gave Andrew a case of the giggles, the word tweetstery. Um, and this is a kid trying to get free chicken nuggets from Wendy's. He needs, uh, they claimed he needed $18 million. They caved after about $3.5 million. Um, the, the, the thing that, um, that I kept wondering, and I think you guys both noted in in our show sheet is why are we calling them nugs yes uh, without question (laughs) yeah first uh, a nug is something completely different (laughs) sure is (laughs) some of those in in the emporium there in denver yeah yeah. i mean even i knew that (laughs) (laughs) and luke kept calling them nugs over and over and over i don't know if that's the language that's being used in the tweet situation because i don't care but um maybe that's why um they point out that united's getting pretty thirsty offered the kid a flight and he kind of uh is uh negging them a little bit by ignoring them <laughs> i mean pretty that's good, uh, pretty pathetic of them it is it really is <laughs> nobody wants even a free united flight anymore <laughs> yep. 
Um, we get a voicemail from a guy whose dentist works in his building, and when they were in the bathroom together, the dentist left without washing his hands. And this guy not only had taken this guy to small claims court, but he also calls him out for not washing his hands. I don't know. There was a whole backstory here about a bad dentist visit, I think. Um, and that's pretty horrifying. I mean, Luke was totally right that doctors and dentists should be totally fanatical about washing mm-hmm. their hands. It doesn't matter if he has a sink in his office. He's still touching the door. Ugh, disgusting. Yeah, this, and this they theorize... Bad. Yeah, that those signs that say employees should wash hands should be expanded to everyone. And as somebody who's worked in hospitals most of my life, those in, in the bathrooms at hospitals, they often do uh, implore or guilt everybody into washing their hands. So pretty gross, dentists. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and then last for today is that we get an email um, explaining that uh, C.S. Lewis and Tolkien were, were Christian buddies, and that's why it was okay in Luke's household, and Luke confers because he did talk to his dad about that, and that was his answer. Interesting. I did not know that Tolkien had any Christian roots. I mean, it's I uh, well known about C.S. Lewis and the allegory of Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, but uh, I thought Tolkien was just about dwarves and gnomes and battle trolls. Yeah. Battle trolls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, we'll get to Friday, number 2379, Lemmings of Regret. So Luke is in Portland. Uh, He starts with this whole story about how he uh, was going to go for a jog, and then it was raining, and he didn't want the topic to melt out of his hair. So he tried to to go use the one treadmill that the, the Hotel Deluxe has, but somebody else was on it. Even though Luke stared daggers into this person's back, they did not spontaneously realize they were supposed to get off and, and let Luke have his turn. <laughs> so he, he ended up going for a jog in the rain. I This whole topic thing is just, I don't understand how this works. Does he, does it not, like get washed out in the shower does he just sort of carefully avoid the spray in the shower does it not run down when he sweats well doesn't I, he bring it with him when he travels I mean, yeah he's he just, just gonna have to put it on it? anyway yeah. yeah i don't understand but the only the only thing i know about topic is something i've mentioned before which is that i used to work for a guy who cut his hair very short and put some sort of similar powder in his hair and would sit in a chair in one of my colleagues' offices where the chair was up against a white drywalled oh, wall. No. And he would lean his head back and sort of rock it back and forth while he was thinking. Gosh. And when he would leave, there would be a black spot where the powder had flaked off and rubbed up against the, uh, like, black chalk dust wow. on the wall. So I and do... You could, t- you could tell that Steve had been sitting there because there was the spot from Steve's head. Yuck. I do have a powder, like it's a dry shampoo and it's brown so that it doesn't make it look like I have baby powder in my hair. Like if I don't feel like washing my hair, I will put a little dry shampoo, but it's nowhere near enough to like cause anything to change color. You know, I just, I don't know. This seems like excessive. This is a mysterious world as far as I'm concerned. But he did end up having to go for a jog in the rain, but then the, the beautiful vista that he experienced took him right out of the bad mood. So that's a happy ending to that story. And Andrew has been Ron and Donning it all this week, and he talks about having morning after regret. 
about all the stupid things that he said on the show the day before. And he's really he's really working for the weekend today. It seems like he's he's looking forward to to 635 when they abandon the last 25 minutes of the Ron and Don show. <laughs> To tape. Yes, to tape. The Uh, the magic of Memorex. (laughs) Yes. Um, I forget exactly why they start talking about Stephen Tobolowsky, other than the fact that he was on Livewire last night, which reminds me, I have to make sure that I listen to that Livewire because he's such a good guest. Um, And Luke has two observations he wants to make. Number one, that Tobolowsky told him that he auditioned for the role of Bill Lumberg uh, in Office Space, which is very interesting. And Luke and Andrew agree that they think that he would have been a better choice for that role because he's doofier looking than mm-hmm. Gary Cole is. But I don't know. I think that's kind of the genius of the of the casting. If if you had a doofy looking Lumberg, he would have to have some sort of minor competence to achieve that role. But if you have a because good looking guys get promoted up all the time. I've worked with a number of them whose sole qualification is that they look right for the job. Mm-hmm. And so that sort of blandly handsome stupidity, I think, really worked for the part. I think it would be an, have been a very different movie if Tobolowski was in it, which yes. I still would have watched. I think it would have been great because he's great. Um, and then the second thing that Luke wants to mention is that Tobolowski told him was that he was doing ADR for a Silicon Valley and there was a, a scratch track for timing that uh, had all of his lines uh, performed by Mike Judge. And what a kind of a crazy thing that is to listen to to Mike Judge doing an impression of him on the scratch track which I think would probably be pretty cool. Now, my brother works, he works for Warner Brothers Animation. He's a storyboard artist, so um, they have lots of scratch tracks, and they're starting to let him do voices on the scratch tracks, and he Ooh. played some of them for me, and it's pretty fun. Like, he does the voice of Aquaman on some of their cartoon stuff. I think that would be cool. I'd like to get an agent, be a voiceover actor. It'd be fun. <laughs> But then they get on, so they get onto this Beavis and Butthead detour, I guess, because is that Mike Judge's sort of, um, is that his crowning achievement, his his singular achievement? I don't think it's the best work that he's done, but it's sort of certainly, I think, probably what will be the first line in his obituary, don't you think? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I, I think just because it was sort of new for its age. Yeah. And and probably his his breakout thing. Yeah, 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 that's true. So uh, Luke says that he knew a couple of guys at Jesus Creek who were basically the living embodiment of Beavis and Butthead. Steve Simmons and Ned Poole <laughs> were dead ringers. Again, with Luke On coming blast. up with the full name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, didn't everyone know Beavis and Butthead in their school? I feel yeah. like everybody knew. And it was just the, the two stoners who probably would be not friends based on their their interests at first but were brought together through the draw of marijuana Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, and then just you know sort of grew together I definitely knew who exactly those two guys were in my school and if you didn't know who they were uh, you look around (laughs) and you don't see the sucker (laughs) MC (laughs) you just have to decide if you're Beavis or if you're Butthead yeah (laughs) So Andrew took Facebook off his phone and he says 
he sort of feels an incredible relief because of it. It's a lot of weight off of him. Uh, he was just getting constant notifications that were really distracting. And now that he has to come and sort of have a, a, a discreet period of time in which he checks Facebook, he likes it so much more. And he says that if he didn't have to have it for work, he would probably have left Facebook by now. Hmm, calling I'm glad Jen that Andrews. Luke, I'm glad that Luke finally acknowledged that. Yes, thank you, Andrew, for doing this for me. So yes. I don't have to. I yeah. know he really put the weight onto Andrew. Yeah, with that one. Yeah. Um. um and uh, Andrew has like 1,500 Facebook friends, so I can understand. I mean, I have 200 and some, so I still enjoy being on Facebook. And uh, and I'm not good at connecting with people. So I I became in much better contact with a lot of my old friends once we were all on Facebook together. So I don't think that I'll give it up for a long time because it's about the right amount of social interaction for me is to see things on people's timelines. Yeah, me too. And I've managed to filter out, you know, the people who post nonstop political mm-hmm. stuff or garbagey, you know, um, pyramid scheme type of things and so i think i've cultivated it to the point where i actually enjoy everything i'm seeing for the mm-hmm. most part sure yeah that's too bad because i was actually just about to send you a post about jamberry nails but i'll wait <laughs> oh i hid you a long time ago <laughs> <laughs> continuing on with the technology theme luke has finally received his stupid light phone i think naomi <laughs> referred to it as the stupid light phone last week <laughs> And I can't so, wait to hear how this goes. Yep, he's planning on a a light phone only weekend. So nobody try to text him or anything. No, no Twitter. It's calls only. So if Andrew needs him, he's gonna have to call. I honestly, I think this is another thing where he's putting a lot of weight on Andrew. Um, the I think the last time they talked about it, uh, Luke said, you know, it if. Uh, how did this go? Like where um, if something happens and Andrew needs to get in touch with him, then he calls him and he leaves a message. And then Luke said, and I'll see that you called and I'll think he'll call back. So like he's not even taking the responsibility to return phone calls at this point. And they have this job that is highly dependent on technology and communication. And he is putting himself in a position where everybody else has to do all the work to get things done for him. And I just, I think it's, it's questionable is what it is. And I don't think it's going to last. I really don't. No, think I think that... it'll be a f- five minutes with the light phone. Yeah. I think that's what it'll end up being. Well, he started uh, creating uh, room to backslide while he was explaining. First it was, I'm going to just use this for the weekend. Then it was, uh, well, my phone and laptop will be in my office. And, you know, if I want to check Twitter, that's okay. I just need to go in to do it. It's a choice. And... Yeah, before you know it, there'll just be one phone in each pocket. Mm-hmm. I support his decision to, because he's talked about needing to be less consumed by technology and less plugged in. I think that's a perfectly reasonable thing, other than the fact where his entire de- job depends on this. But I, I, I understand what he's going for. I just think it's not realistic, and I think he's being too extreme about it. But good luck to him. That's Luke. Yep. And never go at a five level if you can go at a 10 level. Right. Um, Then they're going to get into the top story. But Andrew gets distracted because he thinks that his top story sounder is upcut. 
And then there's a lot of discussion that involves him playing his version and Luke playing his version and him playing his version and Luke emailing his version. And they finally decide that, yes, Andrew's version was cut off. And it was probably because the original version had four seconds of silence that he was trying to trim and over trimmed. And that's five minutes of my life. I'll never get back. <laughs> uh, so then uh, they have an update on the the prank voicemail, as we mentioned before. And it turns out the voicemailer was a woman. And <laughs> <laughs> this makes a lot of sense to Andrew because she referred to bathroom stalls in the voicemail, which uh, a guy would never do because a guy would just mm-hmm. be at a urinal. And, and we've got everything figured out. The perpetrator is unmasked. And the top story for today, uh, T- Steve Harvey sent this email to his staff, uh, essentially telling them not to approach him ever. If they need to see him, they need to schedule an appointment. But none of this uh, ambushing him in his dressing room or in the hallway or anywhere else because he is sick and tired of it. And uh, the reaction has been unkind on the Internet. Uh, He's gotten a lot of flack. But uh, Luke thinks he has a point, and I have to say that I agree with it. And his tone may not have been great, but I didn't think it was that bad. It was sort of to the point and he didn't soften it for people's feelings but he said what he needed to say and i didn't really have a problem with any of that and andrew says setting some boundaries yeah andrew says that it's okay to ask people to respect your time and space and i agree with that one of my personal pet peeves at the office is if i'm sitting in my cubicle eating my lunch and somebody comes by and says oh you're eating your lunch um, I'm sorry to bother you, but I have a question. I'm like, no, you're not sorry to bother me. Because if you were sorry to bother me, you would wait until I'm done with my lunch in 20 minutes, and then you would come back and talk to me. So that's them thinking that the question they want to ask is more important than my time and my lunch. God damn it. I'm eating. Um, and Luke brings his experience with Tom Hanks into it. We're going to be dropping this interaction into celebrity talk for quite a while to come i think <laughs> and we have to remember to look at it from from hanks's perspective all the people who were uh, saying please you know don't ask tom hanks for a picture don't do this don't do that and how he did not want to go out for the meet and greet afterwards because it really sounded like his nightmare because he just can't get away from from people wanting something from him and then his also his experience at that celebrity auction gala thing with joe walsh and Jimmy Page, where basically people did the same thing. They're trying to protect the celebrities from intrusion without uh, the actual celebrity trying to be the bad guy. And I, Steve Harvey did his own dirty work on this one. So I have respect for that. I mean, I don't have respect yeah. for him as particularly an entertainer or a talk <laughs> show host or anything. But I mean, he's not I my mean, favorite person. Whatever. So, so... The latest addition to the canon of family feud hosts doesn't want to be bothered. Right. Okay. Fine. Whatever. <laughs> this week in Music for Your Weekend, uh, Andrew picks Edie Brickell and the New Bohemian, Bohemians' What I Am, which is a great classic song. Luke picks Phaser Days, Lucky Girl, and from listener Danny, we get the New Radicals, You Get What You Give, and he says he wants to hear this because... Uh, he is getting married tomorrow. 
mean, not tomorrow, tomorrow, but tomorrow from the day he wrote this. And this is on their wedding playlist. And so congratulations to Danny. That is Mm -hmm. great. Uh, I'll roll us right on into housekeeping. The archive project continues. Don't forget about the contest for each episode you archive. You can enter in to win a wagon full of loot. I believe the next wagon is going out in very short order. I think that's going to be exciting. Um, so I, about the archiving, I wanted to share with you guys my very favorite story from the last week I did because it was so good. Um, I am working in January of 2009, so radio days, and Luke comes in and he is pissed off because he got pulled over and given a ticket today in the middle of his neighborhood. And he thinks that now all his neighbors were watching and they're going to think that he's some kind of criminal because he got pulled over by a cop. <laughs> and the reason he got pulled over was because his license tabs were expired. No surprise to any of us. No. And further compounding that, he did not have proof of insurance in the vehicle. And also, he was still driving using a California license. And I'm not sure exactly what the timeline on that is, but I know he'd been back in Seattle for at least a year and he was in New York before that. So we got like at least a couple of years where he's been driving on this California license. So he's upset that he got the ticket because he uh, he says he shouldn't have gotten the ticket because, number one, the tabs were only a few weeks expired. And number two, and this is the kicker. The cop was African-American, and Luke had an Obama sticker on his car. <gasps> no way. <laughs> oh, God. I don't remember that part of the story. And he says, Luke. he says, does that make me racist? And Jen says, no, but it makes you prejudiced. And I thought, I love this woman so much. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really enjoying going back and listening to all those stories of... So um, Luke's still full of of self-justification for his Mm -hmm. behavior. I love it. Um, Continuing on housekeeping, please remember that if you're shopping on Amazon, and we know you are, you can use our link to put a few pennies in our pocket, littleredbandwagon.com slash Amazon. And we have a new earbuds and earworms this week in honor of Mother's Day. The theme is Musical Mothers, a journey through motherhood in music i think that's going to be great mm-hmm. yeah and if you want to get involved in our show go to our website littleredbandwagon.com there's a form you can fill out to join us on the show um you can visit us on facebook our our page or the stuns page our show twitter is at lrb podcast you can email us at littleredbandwagon at gmail.com you can send us a voicemail or a text at 802-432-tbtl that's 802-432-8285 And with that, Bobby, why don't you get us out of here? Until next time, this is The Next Party. And we love you, Jen. Nailed it. You magnificent bastard. You want to you want you want to take five minutes and have a very mm-hmm. satisfying experience? Yeah. <laughs>